Oh, hello, UFC and MMA fans. The Big D is here breaking down UFC 297. We're going north of the border to Toronto this weekend. Please subscribe and like the episode and Spunky Spectrum Sports YouTube page. See all my content. It's a divisional weekend, UFC, so we've got all kinds of both. Also, check out the Big D podcast for your audio listeners, Spotify and Apple. So ready to discuss all things UFC 297 and his Detroit Lions playing the divisional playoff round. Uh, Action Network Fantasy Lands, Billy Ward. So, Billy, uh, will there be more invested in uh, the fights or the football this weekend? So when you say invested, if you mean financially, the answer is the fights. If you mean emotionally, it is definitely in the football. Like, you know, anyone who sees me on here knows, obviously, I'm a big martial arts MMA guy. It's been pretty much my whole adult life. But, man, the Lions in the second round of the playoffs since the first first time since I was in diapers, I'm 34 years old. I have a kid in kindergarten, you know, and I was in diapers the last time the Lions were this far in the playoffs. So, Definitely in my heart, far more invested in the Lions, but in my wallet and bank account, far more invested in the UFC. I'm just better at that, and it's hard to make money in any kind of speculation of football now. You know, best ball is hard. Daily fantasy is hard. Gambling on football is hard. I would argue not quite as hard in MMA, just not as tough of a market yet. Yeah, especially because you, especially because you've only got what eleven or twelve fights. So if you know, okay, this person's a minus six hundred favorite, uh, I might want to use that per that that per that fighter. Yeah, and I mean, you know, Dylan, we've talked about this a lot off air. I've gotten super into rainmakers lately, which DraftKings is giving away so many bonuses and stuff like that that. You can make a lot of money, even just grinding those things, even without actually playing the contest. And then I've managed to get some steady profit coming back on that. So, yeah, just a lot of ways to speculate on UFC. And the market's not that sharp yet. You know, it's not it's not like betting a side in the NFL where it's pretty much going to fall on one side or the other 50% of the time. There's just some obvious misses in UFC betting, I would argue, still to this well, day. Well, how about the, the uh, mid- middleweight championship going on, going down as the main event this weekend? And a fight that I think both of us have been wanting to see, Sean Strickland against Regis Duplessis for the 185-pound belt. feels weird that Issy Adesanya isn't the middleweight champ anymore, but uh, Sean Strickland beat him down under last time, so... What do you see in this? Because I think we've got a very interesting fight. I mean, Sean Strickland seems more like a puncher. I mean, yeah, he beat Izzy over 25 minutes. And then Drake Duplessis brings all kind of funk. I mean, for, I mean seeing that, just pulled up his last fight against Rob, Robert Whitaker. And I'm like, how did that guy make 185? Because DDP looked jacked. Yeah, that's a good point, and it's kind of leading me to something I'm going to get to in a second here. But, yeah, it's an interesting matchup. I believe the stat I saw is it is the first time since 2017 that neither Robert Whitaker nor Israel Adesanya is in a middleweight title fight. It's been, you know, one of those down under, so to speak, you know, Adesanya is from New Zealand, kind of, and Whitaker's from Australia. But this is the first time that neither of those two have been involved in a title fight in, like, seven years, which is pretty crazy. But it should be an interesting fight. It's a extreme clash of styles. Sean Strickland is basically just a 
slightly bigger welterweight. You know, he's, he fought welterweight for a long time. Not a huge guy for the division. Wasn't even really a huge welterweight. Like, if you put him in there with Kamaru or something, you wouldn't say Sean's all that big. Very plotting style. Throws a ton of volume. Has never once got tired in his life. I'm pretty sure it's not possible to tire him out. And a lot of that is because of how good a shape he's in. But a lot of that is because he's not so big. He's not carrying all that muscle that tires him out. And he'll just walk down. He gets right in that weird range space-wise where you can't really kick him, but you have to stretch to punch him. And anyone who's sparred or done martial arts and stuff, there's a there's an uncomfortable zone. And it's just like, if you're farther away, I can kick you and dance around. If you're in tight, we can clinch and dirty box. And Sean is like right in that middle area always. And he plants his feet and he just stands there. And he did it to perfection against Adesanya. That's a weird style to deal with. The big drawback is he doesn't have the power or the explosiveness that DDP does. You know, DDP is dancing around. He's kind of weird. He's throwing stuff from different angles, kicks from all over the place. But he's a big, strong, jacked-up dude, and I don't think he can do that for 25 minutes. I don't, As far as I know, he's never been in a five-round fight, or if they were scheduled for five rounds, they didn't go that far, so we didn't really get to see. So my read on this one is first, like, two-ish rounds, DDP might knock him out. You know, Strickland's been knocked out before. It's not that hard to do. I mean, it's hard to do because he's hard to hit, but his chin isn't, you know, crazy. He's not one of those guys. We all thought Robert Whitaker had a crazy chin. DDP solved that real quick. Going to be a real dangerous 10 or so minutes for Strickland. Once we kind of get past that, I don't see how DDP keeps up with him. You know, Strickland's going to be throwing twice as many punches. He's going to be right there in his face, just doing his Philly shell, dancing around, not really wasting too much energy, and just tap, 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 over and over with those strikes. So, Betting standpoint, I took uh, Drickus Duplessis and under two and a half rounds at like plus 200-ish. If you are good to bet this live, you're going to be awake, you know, whatever. You bet Sean live after about the second round. If you'd rather just get it done with ahead of time, you know, you can go FanDuel Strickland in rounds four or five or by decision is around two to one. Or you could bet Strickland and over two and a half in a same game parlay. Angles like that, I think, are really good. And then because we mostly talk DFS on here, I'm playing them both in cash games. They're the 8,200, 8,000 fight. There's a scenario where DDP has a great opening, maybe drops him, you know, does a ton of damage. And then third, fourth, fifth round, Sean lands a million strikes. They both have good scores. It's just too close to call, though. Whoever wins this one is probably going to have a real big score, so I'm not taking the chance on getting the wrong guy there. Agree. Plus, Drakus Duplessis never gone 25 minutes before, and stylistically, you wonder how that kind of fighter does because DDP just throws all kinds of motion. He feels like he would burn out more where Strickland is just steady, steady. Like he might not be, he might not have that knockout power, but he's not going to fall to in the rounds. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, not, not just with the way he throws, but the way he moves. If you watch DDP, he's switching stances a lot. He's bouncing back and forth, jumping in, jumping out. I used to kind of fight like that. You can't do it for a long time, especially when you're a big, jacked-up, muscular dude. You know, I was way smaller than DDP when I was, like, actually in good shape. And it was hard then. So for a guy his size and muscular muscularity to do that, yeah, you're, you're probably right. With that said, every now and then, a guy will surprise us, right? We're like, there's no way this guy lasts 25 minutes and he's going hard in the fifth round. It's happened. It's not the craziest thing, right? Like you can, in theory, train hard enough to power through that. So, you know, it wouldn't shock me, but I do think 
once we get out of about two rounds, maybe three at the most, it'll be Strickland's fight. Does does DDP does DDP quite match like a Alex Bahia when he fought fought at one eighty five power wise? So it seemed more funkier than what Bahia was. I think power wise, yes. I don't think technically or even cardio wise, like Bahia. Not that you would expect him to be a guy with great cardio because he's so big for the division. But he doesn't waste energy. Like, he's very steady. He kind of walks you down, almost like Strickland, but with more kicks and stuff. He's not bouncing all over the place. He's not jumping around. That's what uses all that energy. You know, Pahea is very steady, you know, forward pressure. Not, like, going to make any mistakes or give you any openings. So, in that sense, yes, I think the power is similar. And we saw what Pahea did to Strickland. I also think the underrated aspect here is Duplessis is the better wrestler. Like, he should be able to take Strickland down if he wants to. Strickland is, or I guess I should say was, because he threw it away for some reason, was a jiu-jitsu black belt and has done some high-level grappling stuff. Very underrated jiu-jitsu guy in Sean Strickland. So if this one goes to the mat, that could be fun too. I think if you're DDP and you need to save some energy, you get a takedown, you try to just hold him down, win the round from the top. But that's a very dangerous game given Strickland's skill set. Not that we ever see him do it. So, you know, I think the odds of either guy making this a grappling match are on the low side, but it would be a lot of fun if they did for me and other nerds like me, not for most of you guys who just want to see people get knocked out. I think the yeah, DDP's also got a few submissions. Doesn't, doesn't DDP have like eight or nine submissions? In his professional career, he has more submissions than knockouts. In his UFC career, that's not the case. A lot of his submissions are like, he clipped a guy. The guy took a bad shot. He caught him with a choke, though. Like, if you look, he's got the rear naked over Darren Till. I'm pretty sure Duplessis dropped him first. And then the guillotine. Oh, no, that was, yeah, that's his only submission in the UFC, and I'm pretty sure that's what happened there. So a lot of them you don't know because it's, like, weird regional stuff, but guillotine, 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 rear naked, rear naked, rear naked, guillotine, rear naked, rear naked. You know, those are a lot of, like, I was beating you up. You kind of just turned your back and gave your neck, or you took a bad shot because you were half unconscious and I snatched the guillotine. He's not a jujitsu guy, right? Like, you can't drop him into Abu Dhabi and expect him to do well. But he's not a bad grappler, and he's got really good takedowns and top games, so that would be fun. I don't think that's how this fight is decided, but I'd love to see it. And again, I know I'm in the minority here. Don't at me. I'm a nerd. I've got my jujitsu belts behind me. i got my jujitsu poster. This is my thing. Understand it's not for everyone, but it could be fun. Don't knock it till you try it. I mean, you think you think there's anybody who? I mean, you think there's anybody who DDD fought maybe similar to a Strickland? I mean, I mean, I'm not Whitaker. Maybe I mean, it's stylistically, is it a similar fight to who DDD fought last time? I don't think there really is a stylistically similar to Sean Strickland guy. Like, that's a tough question. I'm. I'm clouded a little bit because just knowing what a weirdo he is in his personal life. But, yeah, there's not really a direct comparison. Whitaker's not really the same thing. Um, Looking at his record, no. But, again, you can't prepare for Sean Strickland. He's not a normal fighter, and he's not a normal person. Like, it just – Sean Strickland is a different experience. Honestly, like, in a weird way, the closest might be – and he's left-handed, so not exactly. But the closest might be his teammate, Chris Curtis. Interesting. I feel, I Who's mean, also fighting on this card against Power Bar and is going to absolutely obliterate Mark Andre 
Barrio. I've got money on that one. Chris Curtis is going to be a big part of the DFS lineups. You heard it here first. Probably not. I'm sure other people have said it, but Curtis is going to smoke him. If if so, you're basically saying if this fight ends early, it's probably good news GDP. If this fight goes later, better for Strickland because of the quality of factor. Yeah, hundred percent. If it's Strickland needs to survive ten, twelve, somewhere in there ish minutes, and DDP needs to get him out of there in that time frame. Which you know, fortunately, there's a million ways to bet that angle with live bets, with you know the round props on FanDuel, same game parlays on DraftKings. So if you want to bet it, like this feels very obvious to me i could be wrong i guess the the biggest risk i think is ddp does enough early and then just doesn't get knocked out late that he can kind of coast to a decision i think that's probably the way that one goes wrong but even so i think by the you know sean should win the third fourth and fifth round if he doesn't get finished so i think i think it's a fight we all want to see and i can't wait to see it this saturday night or sunday morning because we know calls always go late yeah, I know. And it's tough. Like, this is a busy weekend for me, both work and personal life-wise. So the chances of me falling asleep before this main event are unreasonably high. But that's, with that said, I'm doing dry January. I'm not drinking at all in January. Should make it a little bit higher than if I had a few beers before the main event. So we'll see. <laughs> well, how about the um, co-main event? And uh, it's weird that it's weird that a man in Nunes isn't fine anymore because... Uh, you imagine what she would do. I mean, her last fight was in Canada. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I, and I don't not like women's MMA. I actually, some of the best fights I've seen in women's MMA, this one's hard to get excited for just because, you know, Nunez retired. That's fine. We got to have a new champion someday. But it really should be Juliana Pena in this fight, but she was injured. And the UFC was like, hey, we need another title fight. Let's just grab a couple. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, let's just see who's around and throw them together. Is Rocky Pennington Canadian? No, she's American too. So they didn't even just like, who's the first Canadian? They just grabbed whoever they had. I think Myra Bano Silva's a lot better. I think she'll win this one pretty easily. Yeah, that's... She's she's definitely a dangerous finisher, which helps, you know, especially for uh, DFS and stuff. Rocky's 35. You know, we don't like the odds of lighter weight classes when they get that old. I don't know. That's about all I have to say on that. I'm sorry I'm not being more insightful, but it was just like a, hey, who are the two best women we have that are healthy and available and can hold the title until we get the ones we actually want to fight? And that's who they found. And it's probably going to be Shitara winning the belt. And that'll be cool and all, but I don't really care until Juliana Pena gets back. Does this feel does this feel like the uh, miracle round of the 205 division where we didn't have a champ for a true champ for a while, and now it might be Alex Bahia waiting until uh, Jamel Hill comes back from his torn Achilles? It's like that, but it's worse because Nunez had cleared out the division so thoroughly beforehand. Look, we didn't even feel good about any of these people challenging Nunez, right? We're at 205. Yuri first won it. We're like, oh, sweet. Jamal Hill versus Yuri. That'll be cool. Bahia's coming up. We got a bunch of cool matchups. Uh, a couple of them got hurt. But at least we have these other guys. This one, it's like, Nunez made everyone look bad and then left. So now what? You know, and again, Juliana Pena being the exception because she had that upset. But outside, I mean, we got Pena. Maybe Shevchenko moves up because she had the draw on the flyweight fight. That would be kind of fun. But yeah, yes, to an extent, it's like that. But at least at 205, there was like 
three or four guys that we all would have been kind of excited to see fight each other. Right, like you mix and match Pahea, Yuri, Jamal Hill, Glover before he retired. You give me any two of those guys fighting for a title, I'm like, yes, cool. I want it. With the women, it's like, oh, but Nunes has already beat all these women and made them look really bad. So it like takes the so it takes the fun out of the fights, right? Is I mean, it's the fight itself could be still be awesome, right? There's that doesn't mean the fight won't be good. It's just in terms of like the stakes on the fight or like how much I believe it's really the best one thirty fivers in the world. That's kind of down a little bit. Yeah. So then after the one after the two title fights, I mean, there were a couple interesting guys. I mean, you know, in any. Uh, any fight north of the border, there's got to be a Canadian f- fighter somewhere, and uh, Mike Malata's fighting Neil Magny. I think the whole rest of the card has at least one Canadian fighter, if I'm not wrong. <laughs> at least it should. I think so. I mean, double-check me real quick. I'll look in one second, but... Sorry. But yeah, I, um, so we were talking, I'm sorry, getting worked up. Yeah, this is an interesting fight. I thought the line was a little interesting. One of my old colleagues actually messaged me like, is there something that I'm missing? Because I don't understand why Mike Malad is such a big favorite. And I looked and I couldn't figure it out either. It feels like a fight where I don't think Neil Magny wins, but I think he looks better than plus 300 or so. If, you, if you're picking up what I'm laying down, right? Like, I don't want to bet his money line because I don't think he wins it. But I don't think he looks like he's so much worse than Mike Malott. So from a betting standpoint, I really like the DraftKings plus three and a half, which basically means as long as he doesn't get finished and wins one round, we cover it. Kind of like that angle. DFS, Neil Magny is a good salary saver this week. You know, there's a lot of female fighters, which we usually like to pick on for spots like this because the finish rates are so much lower. But Neil Magny at 6,900 for a guy, pretty good output. He can do some grappling here and there, pick up some takedowns. Love him as like a cheap, I just need to make this lineup work kind of guy. So the, that's my angles on there. It's a huge step up from Mike Malott. He's fought like the worst of the worst of the division until this one. And Neil Magny has only lost to like top 10 dudes. So yeah, think Mike Malott wins, thinks it look, but I think it looks a lot closer than the lines would imply. So who else? So which fight are you looking forward to on this card? Um, outside of the main event, uh, de- I, I teased it a little bit earlier. Definitely Chris Curtis or Mark Andre Barrio. That's a little bit on a personal level. Two reasons. One, his nickname is The Action Man. We're The Action Network. Love that. But also, I know Chris personally. He was, uh, I, I was on the undercard of his fight against Bilal Muhammad, which is hilarious, knowing what we know now, like 10 years ago. Chris and I were in like the visitor's corner because we were both the guys coming in from out of state to fight the local guys. Um, and he was just super cool, dude. He had trained with my coach for a while, like talked, hung out with me. I was a nobody, you know, but he was like super cool. We hung out for a while. Ton of respect for him. Love his style, right? Because he's just swinging stuff. And Chris has been the most unlucky dude in the world. He's gotten headbutted brutally in his last two fights. One, he lost a BS decision to Gastelum because it looked like he got dropped, but he really just got headbutted. And that swung the round to Gastelum in what was a two-to-one fight. And then the other one was a no contest against Imovov. Now they're kind of giving him a step down against Power Bar. Like, I'm not really that impressed with anything Mark andre Barrio does. So, yeah, I think Chris Curtis knocks him out. 
ton of him in DFS, ton of him in Rainmakers, betting on him. That's that's my Chris Curtis take. I think he's just a far better fighter. And he's just always fun. Like the man's never been in a boring fight other than in Kokomo, Indiana in like 2012 when Bilal Muhammad just held him down for five straight rounds. But nobody and, other and, than me saw that. And then we see and then we've seen what Muhammad, and then we've seen how Muhammad's changed. Not yeah, no, Muhammad. They're both the same exact dude, other than Chris Curtis went up to middleweight because he was a mad. He was fighting 170 then. Bilal's obviously stuck at 170. Curtis went up, but yeah, great dude, super exciting fighter, always fun to watch. Barrio's gonna like try to mix it up with him, which is just a mistake. Like stylistically, it's just a horrible fight for Power Bar. And again, the Action Man is both a great nickname in a vacuum, and when you work for the Action Network, it's an even better nickname. So we're we're riding with the Action Man. I'll probably put my Action Network T-shirt on. For that fight as soon as he retires we're getting him a guest spot on all kinds of stuff but he can't do that while working for the ufc so <laughs> so who else so what other fights are you looking at um i actually i'm intrigued by arnold allen versus mavsar avoyev that's an interesting fight because avoyev doesn't finish anyone and not because he can't he just doesn't try to he's going to take you down he's going to be on top he's going to try not to get deep knee barred by diego lopes which was an awesome fight I think it's a big step up for Avoyev, where Allen has kind of fought some top dudes before. Allen's hard to take down. If this stays on the feet, I really like Arnold Allen. This is a good fight. It probably should be the winner of this gets the next crack at uh, the 145 title. Obviously, if Volkanovski loses, he probably gets a rematch. So that's we'll talk about that, you know, in a couple pay-per-views. But I'm intrigued by this fight. I Avoyev's a big favorite. I don't think that or not a big favorite, but he's a slight favorite. I kind of like Arnold Allen here. I think probably the smart way to play it from a betting standpoint is you bet finish only on Arnold Allen, which means your bet gets refunded if it goes to a decision either way. I'm willing to pay a little bit more for that. And th- But then for DFS, an Avoyev decision could still be huge because he could get 15 takedowns if Arnold Allen keeps getting up. And Allen, if he wins, is probably by knockout, so that could be a big score. So fun fight from a speculative standpoint, fun fight from a fan standpoint. I'm here for it. Kind of a, I'm going to be honest, by pay-per-view standards, kind of a weaker card overall. Like, the prelims especially are not great. But, you know, they're saving everyone for 300 and then also 299 looks awesome. So, you know, we're not getting a lot of name recognition. The way they filled out this prelim card was they just literally called every Canadian they have. Because every fight outside of the title fights is one Canadian versus a non-Canadian. Might as well bring GSP out of retire then. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure they'd take him, but good luck. I don't, I don't think GSP's fighting anymore. I don't think no, so. Nor should he. From a fan standpoint, I'd love to see one more from a like person who wants the best for GSP. It's like, don't. Why would you? Who cares? Like, you got enough money. You're doing your thing. You're announcing karate combat. You're showing up at grappling events. Have fun, man. Enjoy your life. Still looks great. Looks a little bit off-putting with the hair. Actually, I don't like hair GSP, but... Yeah, I'm like, I'm used to seeing bald GSP, not hair GSP. I mean, what you is got that, that weird little blonde thing there? Yeah, I don't, I don't like it. I, one bit, Dylan. So, I mean, how do you think the, uh, well, how do you think the cash lineups are going to be? By the way, I, what, I think, I don't know if it was this time last year or in July, but the hatch contest this weekend, oh, I'm not going to say how bad they are. Yeah, it's weird. I don't know what's going on with that. I know they did that last year 
for an event or two and then went back. But I don't know. It's it's an interesting one because there's like two or three female underdogs that are cheap at various price points, including Rocky in the main event. Rocky, I don't feel good about that one going the distance, but it doesn't if it goes four rounds, that's still more than the other fights. So you can kind of do stars and scrubs pretty easy here, right? Like the main event is 8,200, 8,000, pretty easy. You know, uh, Rano Silva is not that expensive at 86. You play one cheap fighter, be it Arnold Allen, who probably doesn't get finished, be it, you know, Sean Woodson, I kind of like as a live dog, Neil Magnia, like as a live dog, or either the other female fighters in Pollyanna Vienna probably doesn't get finished. Cachoeira probably doesn't get finished. You know, you play one of them and then you can play whichever huge favorites you want more or less so interesting card from that standpoint a lot of times with these it's just avoiding that landmine at the high end because one of those nine thousand ish fighters is going to lose and if you have them your lineup's dead so it's scary from that standpoint because you're going to overspend on someone who ends up not really paying it off that's a very real risk you know maybe it's charles jordan against sean woodson that one scares me a little bit Probably the scariest of the ones up there. You know, I wouldn't pay 9500 for Jasmine Jasuda Vicious. I wouldn't pay 93 for Mike Malott. So, you know, a little bit tricky in that standpoint, but it feels like you got all the salary you need to kind of build with whoever you want this week, assuming you play three of the four in the title fights. It's just, I don't think this is a week where we play both title fights. I think you played three of the four in cash, right? Probably, but I could certainly see a case. I mean, again, if the women's fight goes long, you know, it's not bad. And then you got a ton of salary left over. So you play all four of those, you got 8,800 left. You could play Avoyev and Sergei Saidi or Brad Katona or Chris Curtis and one of the higher guys. Like, you could make it work, and I don't think it's crazy, long story short. I think you certainly could. You got to be perfect with your other two picks if you do that, but then you only have to get two things right, where if you're guessing and choosing which female fighters or which title fighters, usually that would be which of the women. That's a little bit scary. I just don't like Rocky as a DFS option. She doesn't go for takedowns really. And she doesn't usually get finishes or throw a ton of volume. So it's how does she get there? She needs it to be a 25 minute fight with steady output. So that that's the tricky one, but you certainly could. It's not a horrible idea by any stretch. It's just, a lot of pressure on those two other picks if you do that. Well, I mean, the uh, catch contents this week don't look that impressive because they're like 11 people for a cat for a double up. And I'm like, oh, not again, please. Yeah. And we talked about off air, like, I'm kind of using Rainmakers as my cash just because I have enough cards where I can reliably count on getting 100 to 200 back almost every week just with the like guaranteed cash contests or whatever. And then I'm, pushing real hard to try to win another seat at the live final this week just because I got enough profits from Rainmakers to dump into that. So that's, I think, my strategy, but I don't know. I'll probably on, like, Friday night be playing around and go, oh, I really like this cash lineup, and then enter a bunch of those, like, 22-person $10 or whatever and lose it all or win it all or win it all. I should be optimistic, but, you know. I, I'm actually thinking of playing a GPP this weekend. I'm the young, like, what would be... What, whoa, if whoa, you, whoa, whoa, Dylan. Hey, hey, whoa. Getting real crazy. If you were if you were me, what would be the GPP contest you entered? Because, I mean, obviously there's like a big seven, 700K, $25 yeah, entry. No. Um, it depends. Do you want to do one lineup or do you want to do more than one? Uh, probably one. 
then I would enter whatever single entry contest you're comfortable with cash wise. And then if you want to spend, like, let's say you want to spend hundred dollars, don't play the hundred dollars, play the 40, the 27, the 12 and the five or whatever. Like, cause those just, it's a little bit softer. You're not playing as tough a competition throw, you know, I think the cheap qualifier this week is 15 bucks. Throw one in that $15 qualifier. That'd be cool. You know, but whatever your dollar amount is, fill that up with as many small contests as possible that you want to spend on that one lineup and yeah, go from there. could be fun. Yeah. I mean, I've done, I, I'm mainly a catch guy, but I mean, I've did, I did a three yeah, showdown contest for the Saints Rams and 50 X my entry fee. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's always fun when it happens. And then you go back and do the math at the end of the year. Like we talked about, I won 10 K in week one of the NFL season. On a GPP, but then I lost 500 bucks like every other week until the last week where I got close to that again. So like, it feels like you're doing great when you hit it, but then you're like, oh, it's suddenly gone, gone, gone. Oh, big spike, uh, losing it, losing it. So like, at the end of the year, I think it was like made like 4K on DFS specifically because I gave most of it back. But that's the fun of GPPs and cash games are just so hard now, man. Like projections have gotten so good, everyone knows how to do it. If there is a sport that I think cash games are still beatable, it's probably UFC, but not if they're only given 11 person contest and you're just playing seven of the same lineups. That's the optimal from stochastic or whatever. Yeah. Seven of the same from the action. Like seven of those 11 people are just going to be the awesome. optimal, right? Like maybe not seven, but you know what I'm saying? So you have to really take a stand that you know better than that projection system, which is not, an impossible thing to say or do or whatever, but it's hard. It's not easy. And plus, guess what? Also, on those pe- and those people with big bang rolls are going to do. They're going to fully max the Billy Maker. Well, not Billy Maker, but the big GPP. Mm-hmm. That I'm actually kind of okay with. I think I can. But that's why I was saying, like, play the single entry stuff, right? Because you're not playing those big. You you're playing those people, but they can only do one lineup, so it's a little bit easier of a task. Do you think we have a million? Do you think we have a the you the that DraftKings could offer a million maker for three hundred? I didn't even give that a thought until you started that sentence, and then before you got to the end, I was like, "Yeah, probably <laughs> or maybe I don't know." It depends because they don't want to put up a million maker, then have it not fill and be on the hook for a bunch of overlay. So I could see I them doing it, but it'd be like fifty dollar tickets instead of twenty or something like that. But. I mean, DraftKings. But it's probably like here that it's like quarter million to first or something, not million to first. DraftKings offered what millionaire makers from Monday night offered like big contests Sunday, Monday, last week for the. Yeah, but how many more people play NFL DFS than UFC? You know, that's a different argument. True. But. Okay, well, now. We get to the fun part. Your Detroit Lions are playing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the NMC Division Round. Last time Detroit played a Division Round game was uh, January of 92. Hashtag that was before me. I was born in July of 92. I think you were two for that game. Would you spend, what is it, $1,200 to see if Detroit Lions play a home playoff game in person. No, I, so hear me out. I'm going to go on a little rant here. 
going to NFL games at this point in our history is stupid, right? Like when we were kids and we're watching on these stupid tube TVs and you can barely see anything and you don't know what the score is. Yeah. Going to a game then was great. It was so much better than watching on TV. Now in the comfort of my home, in my comfy ass recliner where everything is cheap or free and there's no line for the bathroom and I've got a perfect angle. No, I'm not going to a game. I would spend like just for the atmosphere or whatever, I'd spend maybe up to like a hundred dollars just cause it'd be cool to say I did it. But in terms of actual enjoyment, I will be so much happier in my recliner at my house where I can eat and drink what I want for free slash cheap and go to the bathroom whenever I want and hang out with people I want to and not a bunch of drunk idiots. No, it's, it's stupid. Why would you go to an NFL game? It's the worst sport to see in person because even with great seats, half the game is 50 yards away from you. You have the best seat in the house, 50 yard line, first row. Half the time you still can't really see all that well, right? There's nowhere you can sit where you're really seeing it that well. I love going to like basketball games. I don't really watch hockey at all, but going to a hockey game is so much fun because they're so fast and it's right in your face and it's cool. No, you, no, I'm not going to a football game. Get out of here. Sorry. I know that wasn't really the spirit of the question. You wanted to talk about the ticket prices, but my answer was absolutely 100% no. You'd you'd almost have to pay me to go to a regular season game. I'd spend like maybe 50 to to $100 to see a playoff game and even that. No. I mean, it would have to – plus, I mean, not that it's a problem for you in Detroit because you play in a dome, but like the uh, Dolphins and Chiefs played in negative 30 windshield, the Sealers and Bills played in frigid Buffalo. See, so you're from Florida, so you don't understand the, the attitude we have towards that here. That's a thing that if you do – as a guy from around here, you get to tell people about it forever. Like, yeah, I sat there. You're going to be the guy with your shirt off or whatever just to brag about it. So, like, that I would actually do. I'm not scared of no winter, man. I walked, like, two miles after dropping my car off to get tires on a day that was so cold they canceled school. And I'm here bragging about it on a podcast with a guy from Florida who has no idea what I'm talking about. That's just, like, some Midwest shit that we do. So that part wouldn't scare me. Whatever. I'll be cold. I was born in the cold. I'll die in the cold. Yeah. Bring it on. But that not if I have to go to a football game to do it. That's that, therein lies the the distinction. I wouldn't do it just because of a football game. Yeah, well, there's crazy, and then there's idiots. I mean, you you know, in cold games, somebody's going to be shirtless. Some dude's going to be shirtless at a football game. Yeah. No, yeah, but that's just that's just some Midwest stuff, Dylan. You don't you don't understand. You were born in a swamp or whatever, but so thanks for hopping on, Billy. Uh good luck to you. No good way. I'm sorry, I got no good way to end it from that. You were just like, uh <laughs> but, but sorry. I know I really derailed the conversation. I technically answered your question, but I didn't really. I'm sorry. I'll do better next time. I apologize for making fun of you, Southerners. I have seen snow twice, including one time going sledding when I was eight. There you go. <laughs> sorry, so, do your little spiel. I'm sorry. I broke I broke the podcast. My bad. I'll be quiet. <laughs> so uh, thanks for hopping on, Billy. We wish you uh UFC lineups, Rainmakers, and Detroit Lions well this weekend. And hopefully we and hopefully your lines are playing on championship Sunday and we can bring home the bacon. That would be exciting. And I'll sure I'll talk to you about it soon. <laughs>